Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to Believe in Softball. I'm your host, Jenna Becerra. And if you're like me, you're soaking up every last minute of summertime. It's just one of my favorite times of year. The sunshine, it's Leo season, and there's good vibes. And we still have more softball ahead. So some reminders for ways to keep up with the show. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Believe in Softball. That's B-L-E-A-V. Subscribe to Believe in Softball on YouTube and actually watch the episodes as well. All right, let's go through today's order. First, we'll cover our bases. I'll give you some news and updates per usual. Then we'll head into today's interview. I'm so excited about this. It's with Jen Salling, longtime player in our game at every level, from the Women's College World Series to pro and, of course, the Olympics. And I remember playing against her in the Pac-12, and she's had such a cool journey since then, and she's super passionate. So I'm excited for you to hear that. And then we'll end things with the foul tip of the week, where we share tips to help us get better. All right, let's go. Covering our bases. First things first, a quick word from our sponsors just to get things going. And if you're into sports betting, Bet Online is where you should go to win money today. Whether it's live bets during games or futures for who you think will win the championship, Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next big game, head on over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online your online sportsbook experts. And another one for you. So I don't know if you heard, but apparently former NBA player Lamar Odom may be returning to professional basketball in Spain soon. I was reading a press release about how he started taking a pH balancing alkaline supplement called Balance 7. And that's what has helped him bounce back from his hospitalization in 2015. He even said, I have an enormous amount of energy, which is good for me. It's important when working out. I always need energy to level up. Couldn't agree more with Lamar. And after watching him fight Aaron Carter in July's celebrity boxing match, I think it's safe to say that Balance 7 is working for him. The cool thing is, we've got a promotion running with Balance 7 right now where if you go to their website, balance7.com, and use the code BELIEVE at checkout, you'll receive a free four-ounce bottle of My Smooth Skin with any purchase of Balance 7 products. That product retails at $13.99, so I'd say it's worth it. Again, head to balance7.com and use the code BELIEVE at checkout to get in on the promotion. I know I will. If it worked for him, it can work for you too. And some big news. New rules and tools for NCAA softball. There are lots of details, but I'll just share the big stuff. First, the headline, video review will now be in college softball. We've been waiting so long for this, and it has finally been approved by the NCAA Playing Rules Oversight Panel for this next 2021-2022 school year. Now, it's not required. It's optional for schools and conferences and tournaments to implement because some schools don't have the finances or the infrastructure in place to support it. Conference tournaments for the SEC, ACC, and Sun Belt had experimented with video review over the last few years and gave great feedback on it. We've seen it in other areas as well, even Little League a little bit. We're finally going to see it in college softball. So some details. Head coaches have two video review challenges in a game. 
They have to verbally or visually indicate a challenge request before the next pitch and before the pitcher and all the infielders have clearly vacated their normal fielding position and left fair territory or before the umpires have left the field of play. So that's how it works. The umpire crew chief can also initiate a review of some designated plays starting in the sixth inning just based on their own discretion. In terms of plays that can be challenged, it can be batted balls. So think fair or foul ball, ground rule doubles, home runs, things like that. Pitched balls, so like drop third strikes, hit by pitch. Obstruction and interference, it's a big one that everybody's interested in. Spectator interference, force or tag plays, dead balls, catch, no catch calls, and even just some timing calls, like did the runner score go across home plate before the third out was made in an inning, for example. So those are some of the plays that can be challenged using this video review. And there's some criteria as well for games that are going to use video review. So equipment needs to be tested. Coaches are going to have 30 seconds to lodge a challenge. Review can either be on-site by the crew chief or off-site at a centralized video review location. We've seen that in other sports as well. Everyone stays in their position on the field. So the defense stays in their position. They can throw and warm up a bit with each other, but the base runners need to stay where they are. The on-deck hitter stays in their position, and everyone who's in the dugout stays in the dugout, basically. I think it's just to avoid any sort of interference in that way. The crew chief will tell the call to the head coaches and the official score and the broadcast booth, too, when applicable, if that's happening, hopefully, selfishly, that's good for me. Um, rulings can only be changed when there is indisputable evidence to reverse the call. So for football fans, this should sound really familiar. It has to be very, very clear. And the final decision cannot be argued or coaches are going to be ejected. (laughs) So lots of details there, but so, so exciting that we're finally going to have this. But there's been a couple other rules too. I mean, that's definitely the headline. Video review has been a long time coming, but some more rules as well. In terms of pace of play, there's a new rule around coach-player conferences. So there's a total of seven coach-player conferences in a game, starting in the 2022 season. You have a maximum of one of those conferences per half inning, or you can have an additional one for every pitching change there is, as long as that pitcher hasn't yet appeared in that half inning. So it's not like they're not going to let you have that moment with your new pitcher, unless they've already been, (laughs) been in the game at that point. Also, There are seven player-to-player conferences per game. So think like catcher talking to pitcher, for example. And there's a maximum of two per half inning in that case. And there's, generally speaking, 90 seconds in between innings overall. And this is to help keep the pace of play moving the way that really softball kind of naturally does. But it just keeps that going and puts some structure around it. Okay, and then another one that I think folks are going to be really interested in is an updated out-of-the-box rule. So if the umpire calls out of the box on contact, it's a dead ball. The defensive team has the option to choose either the result of the play, so if they hit it in fair territory and there's a play made at first base, let's say, or having a strike called on the batter and base runners returning to where they came from. If that's the case, if it's their third strike, then they would be called out in that situation. So this is a little bit of an update to what we've seen in the past. And I know this has been a controversial rule as well. So definitely an interesting update. And I recommend also reading Rhiannon Potkey's article 
for D1 softball. It breaks down all of these rules and the detailed stipulations that come with each of them. There's a lot of detail and things to keep in consideration, but I really just wanted to give you the highlights so that we have a sense of what we're going to see in this next college season. And just my thoughts. So obviously thrilled about video review. Like I said, I mean, I think this is another step towards equity with our sport. There are other sports who have this type of video review. I think it's also great for umpires because it's really hard to call things in action live. Like this game moves so fast and nobody's perfect. Like everyone's a human, including umpires. I know we like to conveniently forget that at times, but they will have the opportunity to get another chance to get the call right or to validate their call in the first place, right? Like I think that's actually going to be really helpful for fans, for umpires, and for coaches. Like it's going to be more visible, and I think that's a good thing. And just the fact that women's sports, woo, we got video review. We're a little bit more like some of these male sports, right? The pace of play aspects too, I think that's it's a good thing. Like I started to see over the last season – a lot of coach player conferences being called and it did slow the game down a little bit like it used to be softball games especially college were like two hours and that was pretty much it and it was a big draw to the sport how fast it moved and how quick it was and I think it's smart for us to do something to try to preserve that and you have to take into account the player to player conferences too but, you know, seven off the top of my head, like gut reaction feels like still kind of a lot. Like you could still have a conference every single inning if you're a team. But to limit it to just one per half inning, I think will help this and help the pace of play. I really think the pitch clock for college baseball, for example, having that 20 seconds really helped their pace of play. So I'm hopeful that these types of stipulations will be helpful for our pace of play. And just to kind of maintain that exciting part about the game. You know, these games are starting to go like two and a half hours or even longer, just in seven innings too, without extra innings. So for us to be able to kind of reel that in a little bit, I think it's a good thing overall. Maybe you just have to be a little bit more prepared, coaches and players together, and know you're on the same page before the game starts. So some adjustments there. Then the out of the box. So I think this is interesting. And if I'm interpreting it right, which I hope so, It means that slappers basically aren't automatically called out if they're out of the box, right? Like if, if they're out of the box, but they're safe at first base, the defensive team can choose then to have it count as a strike against them. But if it's not their third strike, then it's just another strike. And that means they get to get back in the box. And I know a lot of slappers have thoughts on they hate the out of the box rule. Like it's hard to, to be an effective small ball player and lay down beautiful bunts and things like that, and then they're just called out because of that. However, on the flip side, as a third baseman who defended against a lot of slappers, I'm like, well, stay in the box, follow the rules, right? You could argue either way, but I think it's interesting because it has been a big complaint for people in the softball world. So to make an update is at least an indication that the NCAA panel is paying attention to what's going on in our game. So with all this being said, 2022 season going to be interesting. we got to keep these things in mind, too, as we continue to watch softball on the college stage. At the Olympic level, you know, I talked about the impact of women's performance across the board in the last episode, but women also took it to a new level with TV. The U.S. and Canadian broadcasters were reporting record-breaking coverage and viewership rates in women's sporting events at the Tokyo Olympics. 
Coverage of women's sports on NBC's evening Olympic broadcasts accounted for nearly three-fifths of their total media coverage during the Games. This is according to the Canadian Women in Sport Organization. Women's sports were 57.55% of NBC's primetime broadcasts. Okay, think about that from the U.S. perspective. For Canada, the CBC, four out of five of the most viewed moments in the Tokyo Olympics were women's events. The Canadian women's soccer team's gold medal game had a peak audience of 4.4 million people. That's the most watched event for the CBC in all of the Olympics, right? And then there's 18 out of 24 medals that Team Canada won were in women's events. Five gold, five silver, eight bronze. That's a crazy amount of medals that are all thanks to women. It's just awesome. And the bottom line is women showed up and showed out. Let's treat and respect them accordingly. That's it. But one of those Canadian medalists is today's guest. So let's head into the interview. She is a two-time Olympian with Team Canada, bronze medalist in Tokyo, NCAA national champion at Washington, longtime pro softball player, Jen Salling. Jen, thank you for joining. Hi, thank you for having me on. I'm excited to chat. Of course. I kind of love too that you spelled Jen with two N's because our names are like one letter off. So that's mm, fun. Yes. Oddly, I'm like the older I've gotten, the more I'm a little bit of a stickler about the N and two N's. I don't really know why, but it looks different. My name looks different if it's spelled with one N. So it's true. I respect that. You want it spelled, yeah. you want it spelled. I like it. <laughs> exactly. Well, man, I mean, what a year, what a summer. How are you like recovering from the Olympics? That's what I always wonder. It's like, how do you come down from the high that is the Olympic games? Yeah, I think I'm still trying to, to be honest. Um, I have not been able to catch a breath. Um, a lot has been going on just for all the right reasons, but, um, yeah, it's been a complete whirlwind since coming back. Um, just events that I've had to attend and potential opportunities in the future. Um, just considering those things and decisions and just life-changing things. So it's, it's coming pretty fast. So I haven't really had a breather yet. I will be looking forward to having a breather. I don't really know when that's going to happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's been moments where it's hit me, but it hasn't hit me. Like I'm like really done. But then I'm like, I have things to be distracting me right now because there's other priorities going on. Um, so I don't really know when it's going to hit me, to be quite honest. <laughs> well, that's fair. It's a little different than last time. Like you came back and, you know, won a national championship in 2009 after Beijing. So you were like kind of just like hitting the ground running last time. Yeah. But this time it's like, you know, it's just a different phase of life. 13 years is a big, big gap. Yeah. I, I want to try to be very conscious of celebrating what we just did because what we just did is incredibly, it's, it's the coolest thing I've ever experienced in my life. I'll say that. So I want to be able to take some time to celebrate. Um, but like I said, there's some things happening right now in, in my life that are pretty life-changing. So I want to make sure I give those things full attention and just the breath might not happen like right away. It's going to happen at some point. And maybe that's actually in like a couple of weeks when I actually get to see my family and just kind of chill out a little bit. So 
Yes. Will that be the first time you see your family since winning the medal? <gasps> wow. Oh yeah. It's actually, I haven't seen my family since Christmas. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it's been, it's been a quite a long time. So I'm absolutely eager, but I know uh, my parents specifically are just really, really eager to pick me up at the airport. They were a little bummed that I wasn't coming straight there after the Olympics. I'll say that, but they handled it very well. Um, so they just had to wait a little longer, but they were just coming off the high of the Olympics. Yeah, totally. And are you in Florida? Is that right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and they're in, are they in Canada also? Yeah. They're yeah. all in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, that, that'll be really nice. That airport visit just seems like so special, you know, like the first time you get to see the family, like when Danielle was with her daughters, I was like, oh yeah. man. So I'm excited for that for you with your parents. Thank you. Yeah. And it's something we've always really valued as a family. Like, I don't know, there's something about like getting off a plane and like walking and seeing people that you love. And my family has always really like embraced that and love that part of like me flying into home. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that feeling and just going through that with them. That's awesome. I feel like too, in addition to the fact that you went to the Olympics again, you won a medal, mm -hmm. but it was all very like history making at the same time. So it's just like so many layers. Like it's like, Oh, the first medal for team Canada for softball ever in the Olympics. And you're mm -hmm. like breaking Lisa Fernandez's Olympic batting average record at the same time. Like there's so much there for you to like well, absorb. No wonder. <laughs> and retiring, right? Like there was a lot of big, big things that happened. Um, so it was just like, it was emotional for everybody. It was emotional for just all involved in my inner circle. Um, Cause they've legitimately been on the ride with me since, since day one. Like, it's just crazy, you know, and they're coming off of it in their own way too. So I have to really empathize with that and understand that. Um, but it's going to be a journey. It, it's cool. I'm excited. Like we're all very excited for this new chapter of my life. Um, me, especially, um, it was time, but it, and it literally was the icing on the cake to there's nothing keeping me. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, like in that bronze medal game, like, I, so I've had, I've had, obviously I mentioned to you before we jumped on here that I've had Danielle on the show. I've had Vic Hayward on the show, which were awesome. Loved it. I've also had several team Mexico women on the show before. So during the bronze medal game, I was like, Oh my gosh, like I, I love all these people. Like I, I want them to do well. But honestly, there was a part of me that was like, I don't know what Danielle and like Jen and like Kaylee were after. I don't know what you guys are going to do if you don't get the medal. You know what I mean? Like I was like, they have been working at this for so long. Like, so that pushed me to rooting for you guys at the end of the day. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. I'll tell you, I mean, we were across the world, but I, I truly felt like the people with us, like I, I really felt it. I felt the, just the positive energy and like people just like pulling for us because I do feel like people genuinely have respected and witnessed our process specifically over the like the course of the last four years so it was cool like feeling that even though people couldn't physically be there with you it was just cool to feel that like spiritually or however you want to look at it like from across the world um so yeah it was it was if we would have lost that game i don't even know i don't even i don't even think i'd be able to have words to describe it but 
as close as it was and as much as it could have gone either way, still something in the back of my head and my heart that I'm like, we have respected this way too much to lose this game and not leave Japan with a medal in our hands. So I just kept trying to like tap into that and just lean into our preparation and continue to trust that when the game was tied or, you know, they, their offense was like chipping away at us and we were kind of had a little bit of a lull. Um, so yeah, really interesting feeling. It just goes to show how much like respecting the process and your preparation goes into those like insane pressure filled moments. That really, really showed like as somebody just watching, not just that game, but really the entire Olympics, you guys looked prepared you looked confident, you looked kind of calm, whether, whether you felt that way internally or not, like you, you guys looked that way. Like you had really just prepared to be there. Like you're saying, like the preparation, it really, really showed. And when you guys actually lost that game and you realized, okay, we're not going to the gold medal game. You were super emotional, but honestly, the next day when you came back and really just like took it to Australia, I was like, they are ready for bronze. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. That was really impressive to me. And that felt like such a big moment, even though it wasn't a medal game, right? It just felt like a big moment for you as a team. It for sure. I mean, you know, after the loss to the U.S., you know, like we didn't, we did not execute in some moments that we should have executed. And I think if we did that, the outcome of that game is different. Um, so that's in the middle of the event. So I think like from an athlete perspective, you got to figure out how to navigate through those moments. So you can show up the next opportunity that you have, because if you, if you allow, um, tough losses, bad performances, um, and things like that to affect your brain and you don't have control over it, it could totally start to spiral into other opportunities. And then all of a sudden you lose sight of everything that you've been working for so I think we were just trying to be very conscious and very diligent about like okay where are we at let's talk about it let's communicate through it um teammate to teammate as a team um we got to move past it um because we still have an opportunity in front of us right and even after the Japan game like that that was probably the most heartbreaking loss I personally have ever experienced just for a lot of a lot of reasons specifically that's the closest we've ever been to a gold medal game at the Olympic games. Um, in my opinion, that's the closest we've ever been to like legitimately beating Japan. Um, and then we, I literally felt like we somewhat beat ourselves in the sense that we, we didn't execute in the moments that we needed to execute. And it was just a matter of one hit, you know, like finding a way to put pressure on the defense or what have you. So to me, it was just like, Oh, that was tough. But again, Italy was the next day. So you got to, you know, give yourself an allotted time to sit in it a little bit. And then you you have to move on. Cause if you don't figure out a way to move on, then, you know, like I said, you're, you're losing sight of what's right in front of you. So we still had a chance to medal after that game. So that I think was what kept us alive and just, we still have a chance to make history, you know, it might not be a gold medal or silver medal, but um, we still did have a chance to make history and we did. So I think that's truly what we were hanging our hat on as heartbreaking as that was to not be able to win, you know, have a chance to win a gold medal because it could have easily been us winning a gold. 
And that is something about sports. Like it's always like one little change in one small moment mm-hmm. could change your trajectory. Right. And that is, that's part of it. But this, this just sounds like real maturity mm-hmm. on, on team Canada's part, like for all of you guys. And I'm sure like your leadership with Danielle's and like Victoria, everybody like really helped with that. But I yeah. have, yeah. The, our, our team cohesiveness and how much we like genuinely care and love each other as like human beings is it's the coolest thing. It gives me chills. I think it's the coolest thing I've ever been a part of. Like it's the best, most solid group of women I've ever been around. Like it just makes you want to be better. And as a leader and as a veteran, it just, I wanted to reform and be the best me for them. Like they deserve that, you know, like the girls, I love him to death. I'll do anything for him, you know? And yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's the coolest thing I've ever been a part of from like a teen standpoint. I I mean, it was cool to watch because like Mm -hmm. I said, this all really did feel like it showed on the field. And like, I happen to like, you know, keep in touch with Danielle or Victoria. And like, now I'm getting to know you. And so there's a little bit of a personal level, but even if you just look at the softball, it seems like all of this translates to the field so well, or at least did at the perfect time at the Olympics for you guys. For sure. Yeah. We focused a lot on tour. I would say towards the end of our preparation, we really got into like the nitty gritty of, okay, we have, we have this amazing team culture. Now, what does it look like to bring that culture to the softball field? Yep. Um, as far as like team defensive strategy, team offensive strategy, just understanding like the importance of how one at bat can lead into another AB to somebody else, to somebody else, to somebody else, to somebody else. And just like working your triangles and circles and things on defense, you know, like it just, it got to the point where it's like, okay, how can we, how can what we have off the field translate to on the field. And I think to your point, it truly did all come to fruition at the right time. It did. And it was a, a, it's not like it was that, like you mentioned, it was like the last four years, but for some of you guys, it was way longer than that too. But Mm -hmm. honestly, Jen, like I remember when I was at Stanford and I think we overlapped a little bit with you at UW, like, can I say, like, I kind of remember you over at shortstop, you know, chewing gum, like got a little swagger, maybe even a little cocky if I'm allowed to say that, but you know, but you also performed, right. So like it, it was warranted, but I just felt like watching you play in particular, I, you just have matured and grown so much as a player. Is that fair to say? Thank you. It means a lot. I, I, I do feel that I feel like I, coming from Washington and being in that environment, um, I think I kind of always had somewhat of an understanding of like what a process looks like and what it means to embrace it Um, and development. Like I love development. Like that's our culture at Washington. I love skill development, offense and defense and just honestly mental performance. Like I just love development of softball and I love development of like humans. I'm like super fascinated by it. But I think the, as I reflect from then to now, it's been an understanding of like how to own the process, like, and what it looks like to actually be able to do it, right? Specifically when you leave college, 
you're, you're not being told what to do and how to do things by somebody. You have to figure it out on your own. So I think that's like the maturity piece, right? Like in college, like I said, I, I had Coach Tar with me every single day. I had like my teammates with me every single day. I had somebody like guiding me and showing me and giving me the tools and skills to like do things. Yep. But then when I left, like I have Coach Tar, of course, like as a mentor, but I'm not with her every single day. Like I'm not around those people every single day anymore. So it just took a lot of ownership on my behalf and just intention about like how I'm going about my process and what I want my process to look like and how am I going to develop and how am I going to evolve? And it just takes creativity and tapping into your brain <laughs> and resources and like just using people, right? And talking to people and engaging. Like I started dialing into the swing like in 2016 when Lincoln Martin came to Washington when I was at grad school. And I think I've just kind of, you know, always been known for my defense, I guess. Um, so then, you know, my role on the national team started to kind of like transition to more of like an offensive role. And, um, but it was when Lincoln Martin came in 2016, when I was at grad school, where I was, he started talking, hitting with me and we were just going back and forth about the body and how it's moving and how it works. And, um, how he talked about it, I really understood it. And then like things were starting to click. And then I started being super intrigued. And from 2016 to now, I've just been like obsessed over the swing <laughs> and like wanting to like learn it more, understand it more, but also more specifically how the body impacts how somebody swings. So mm. then, you know, then you're, going down another route, another avenue of things. So I don't know. It's, it's just been fun to have space to like own your prep. hundred percent. And I would say that the focus on the swing worked for you <laughs> in Tokyo. <laughs> I guess, I guess. I've found like as an athlete that you're not thinking about things like, Oh, what's Lisa Fernandez's batting average record during the Olympics? Like, Oh yeah. Let me see if I can chase that. Like, that's not something you're thinking about top of your mind yeah, no. afterwards, when you realize that your hitting approach had, had gotten you there. Like mm -hmm. how did that sort of sink in for you? I really had no idea about the Lisa Fernandez batting average situation until I got home. Like I had no clue. Um, as far, as far as like the working on my swing, I feel like that's just a small piece to the puzzle. I think just understanding your swing and how it works is like a small piece to the puzzle. But if I think back to like my phases of like my preparation and this year specifically, it like started off as like really dialing in some fundamentals that I feel like I needed to focus on based off of, you know, some performances in the previous seasons. And that eventually as you get closer to competing, you start to, your mindset starts to go more towards like offensive approach and offensive planning and how to attack specific pitchers and how to execute plans. So yeah. I think it was a combination, honestly, of refining my swing and reflecting upon previous seasons and where I need to be better, specifically hitting certain pitches at our level, like a drop ball, let's say, yeah. 
how can I hit a drop ball better? So that was the focus for me. How can I hit a drop ball better? And how can I hit an inside pitch better and barrel it out more? So that was like the focus in the start of the off season. And then again, it just kind of slowly starts to transition into, okay, now who are we facing? What are they throwing? What, what is my plan? Right? Like, what am I hitting off of them? So I think just kind of, that's very brief, but like just kind of walking me through like the phases of like the off, off season prep to get to the most confident place when you're at the event, right? Like you rely on those moments. You rely on the, the prep of the actual skill. And then you rely on the reps of facing a certain pitcher and the pitch type, Yep. you know, in certain counts and things. So that part was really cool for me. That's where I feel like I really flourished as a hitter was balancing both of those things. You know, but people don't realize all of that prep that goes into it. It's like the Olympics for softball was a week, maybe like less than for all to be over. Right. But it's like all of this prep goes into those like six games. You know, it's like, I, I, I like that you walked me through it because that's what I think not everyone understands. Yeah. I mean, you're, it, to think about it that way is, is really crazy. I thought about that too. Like when I got home, like, well, just even when we were in it, like Danielle and I would talk about that all the time. Like we've been preparing, we've been waiting for 13 years, but specifically an Olympic cycles, four years since 2017, a lot of us made like that decision to be like, boom, I'm all in. So like for four years, you're like literally preparing for six games. Like it's, it, it's pretty crazy when you think about it like and it's it's even crazier to think like there's some people at the olympics who have one shot one race and then that's it they're done you know so it's everyone has their own like process and way in their respective sports but for us the six games is like is a whoa when you really think about how much you practice and train for those six games yes so and to your point, <laughs> the 13 years on top of that, like, you know, it's not like, oh yeah, we're coming off Rio in this situation <laughs> either for our sport. Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, you said, you mentioned it earlier, like your role on the team transitioned to be a little bit more offensive, but mm-hmm. in that process, like I said, I was used to seeing you over at shortstop, like at UW obviously. And then you moved your way over to first base. Mm-hmm. To me, that also felt like actually a sign of maturity um, from you and just development and growth as a player and and moving forward. But how was it for you? Because in my experience, people underestimate first base a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I loved it. I, you know, I was, it was fun taking on a new challenge, you know, and to be able to say that I experienced shortstop and first base at two Olympic games, like I, I am very proud of that. I think it shows Um, young girls, the importance of just being an athlete and being ready to play wherever, whenever. And like, I just, I love that about my experience. And I'm excited to be able to share that experience with just the younger generations. Like it's, you might start in one spot, but guess what? You might finish in another and that's totally okay too. And you can own that second spot that you finish in. Um, and yeah, you have to be an athlete. You have to catch the ball. You have to pick the ball. You have to communicate. Like, <laughs> so I just think it was a, it made me better. Um, it's going to absolutely make me a better coach. 
Um, I really, really enjoy just being that close to our pitchers, mm-hmm. um, being that person that takes the ball into them. Um, but I was happy to take on a new challenge. It, it was what was best for our team. And when it comes to what's best for the team, I'm in. That's just the bottom line, you know, and that, that's what was best for the team. Um, and I'm going to do that and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability and be all, be all into what that is and what that looks like. And Janet Leong, like our shortstop, just a baller defender, baller athlete, like her range is just out of this world, you know, and it, I'm older. <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not like 22 year old Jen Salling. Like I, and, and that's okay. You know, and that it, it, it was my job to accept that and own that. And again, just kind of Janet's going to hold it down. Janet is very, very good. And I'm going to take Janet under my wing and help her in any way that I possibly can, because I know that, you know, she's going to lean on me if she needs some things. So we're going to do this together. And, you know, I ended up being over at first base. So we're like, we were right there in each other's hip pockets um, with all of it. So I don't know. It was a really fun experience. Yeah. But I mean, that's probably because it was probably fun because you did it the right way. (laughs) You know, you handled it the right way and you guys work together and not everybody does that. Like not everyone reacts that way at any level, you know? And so again, that's just another reason why I think you guys ended up where you did. Yeah. I I just think, you know, just in leadership, like it, specifically like for our team, like it mattered to me, especially, and to our team, of course, like how I went about handling that, you know, like as a leader, you have a lot of responsibility and people are watching you and looking up to you. And if I were to, if I were to respond to that poorly, be like, oh yeah, I should be at shortstop. I shouldn't be at first base. Like, how is that helping me? And it's certainly not helping our team. So you know, as leaders, we have a lot of responsibility in a lot of ways. And I I personally love that part about leadership because you can't really take pitches off and people are always watching how you're responding to things. So you're always being held accountable. Um, So I, I really like that. And I, I've always embraced that with our team. Yeah. I think that's really well said because the amount of work that goes into being a leader in addition to being a contributor, um, just as a softball player, it's a lot of added work, you know, and just to be able to take that in stride and make sure that you prioritize it is, is really important. And it is a good example for Mm -hmm. young women and girls who want to play this game. But I also, Danielle had mentioned to me too, and I'd kind of seen just like on social media, your journey in terms of like physical health too. Yeah. I mean, health and fitness is definitely, um, something I've always been extremely passionate about. I've always been kind of a gym rat to be quite honest. (laughs) Um, my brother is as well. My brother's a personal trainer. He's got his own little business at home, his own, um, personal training business at home in Vancouver. So it kind of runs in the family, I would say. Um, but at the end of the day, like, a healthier human makes for a happier human. Like, and I I love moving. Like, I I just think it's very, very healthy to move and be active in whatever way that looks like for people. And that's going to look completely different for everybody. Um, but I think when people are healthier and they're happier, um, 
So that's absolutely something that I think about all the time. But if I think about specifically in my softball preparation, one of the things our team took a lot of pride in was the strength and conditioning piece. We had a very, very structured system in place that we all had to be accountable to um, when we were decentralized and centralized. Like every single day we had programs, running, lifting on certain days. And there was no way around it, really. Um, our head coach was pretty strict about it. Um, there was rules put in place about certain numbers that you had to hit um, as far as, say, in this case, it was for the trap bar, um, for strength, um, and you were held accountable to it. So there was really no way around it. And our goal was to be the best, most fit team in Tokyo. Um, so I think when your head coach cares about it, you, you have to care about it. Does that make sense? Um, that's from a softball Canada standpoint, but for me personally, yes, health and fitness, I've always really, really enjoyed, and it has really mattered to me. Um, but it just, it got, came to a whole new level, I would say because of our system. Right. And once you're starting to like see results and notice, notice changes and things and it, you know, it starts to get a little bit of addicting and you start to get competitive about it, you know, with yourself mainly. Um, but it's, I'm really ours. It was hard. We had to go through a lot of stuff, um, and do a lot of things that were really not enjoyable, but it was like the mission in mind, the end goal in mind. So. Well, those are always the most rewarding. Um, mm -hmm. I, I love that you said you guys wanted to be the most fit in Tokyo too. Be, well, for obvious reasons, but also reminded me like on a lighter note in college, when we would do our strength and conditioning stuff at Stanford, we'd always be like, all right, guys, we're going to have the best butts in the pack 12. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it just reminded me yeah. of that. <laughs> now, we had like a funny hashtag going, um, our strength coach's name is Scott Wilgris. He lives in Nova Scotia. So he and our head coach both live in Nova Scotia. Um, anyways, so we would, um, randomly like hashtag, we had a hash, funny hashtag going as a team, like body by Scott. <laughs> yeah. I love that. It's funny. He is great. So good. Just, yeah. I did not experience knock on wood, like any injuries, like I mean, I'm saying like specifically in this last like six months to a year, like I truly was in the best shape of my life. I maybe think I lied on the treatment table like three times in the last like six months. And that was solely for like maintenance. And I'm just like, man, I'm like 34 years old, one of the oldest on the team. And I have barely lied on this treatment table. Like I'm, I feel so grateful. Like he just put together such like a baller program. That's so nice to hear because that stuff is so important. Again, it's like the other aspects that like not everybody realizes like are so important and so detailed that you have to do to prepare for something like that. Totally. And there's a method to the madness. He's super smart, super educated. And, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, as an athlete, you can feel that from coaches. You can tell like, we're not, we're not like not intelligent humans here. We have eyes and we, we have feel and, you know, we can observe some things. And I just think like 
to the, all the coaches, like it's very important that you understand that the girls are watching and they can see if you're in or you're not in, or if you're, you know, if you're putting together something that is just kind of like fly by the seat of your pants, oh, let's put so-and-so through this without, you know, having any rationale or method to the madness. So I think because we saw that with Scott and trusted him entirely, it was so easy to buy into his program because of just what we saw on the day-to-day basis from like him and his actions. Super thorough. He was great. It's one less thing that you have to like worry about. You can kind of just like stick to the plan too. Nice. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. That's great. That's really great. I feel like too, I'm not talking too much with all my answers, just taking away all your questions. (laughs) No, 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 no. This is great. Like this is, and this is what I like too. Like I prefer to do like conversation. Like it doesn't have to be me like grilling you like nonstop. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. This is great. This is, this is the fun stuff. Good. But I, you know, I've always been not fascinated, but maybe kind of, or just like thought it was really cool. The relationship that seems to kind of exist with UW and softball Canada, just Mm -hmm. between you and Vic and Danielle, like that's just seems like almost like a funnel for talent in a, in a way, but also, um, I think maybe part of the culture, at least that's what it seems like from the outside perspective. Do you feel like that UW sisterhood translates well to softball Canada? Yeah, I mean, if I think about like Vic, Danielle, and I specifically, Vic was a freshman when I was a senior. And then Vic's first year on the national team was 2009. Danielle's was 2005 and mine was 2006. And, you know, Danielle took some time off there when she had uh, mads and odds, but um, like, the amount of experiences and memories that we have shared together is just incredible to me. Like it's, it's almost like unheard of. I think just the amount of time that we have spent together playing the sport, you know what I mean? And it's just like the fact there's, there's like three Huskies on one team. I just think is just so cool. Like all three of us like doing our thing, representing our countries coming from like the same school, like cut from a very similar cloth in, you know, our language and how we go about our business and, you know, the standards and expectations of, you know, how you roll, you know, to get to where you want to go. Like having those commonalities with teammates is just huge for the culture. You know, I literally texted Danielle this morning and there's like this sequence of photos of like when right after she threw the last pitch in Tokyo for the bronze medal and like me at first base and there's like a sequence of events I think it's like three photos of like when she like throws the pitch she like turns and looks at me and she's got her arms up and then like I'm running over it's like boom 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 snap chops and I'm just like I text her I was like I'm just so grateful that like we literally have this like snapshot in time to remember forever she's like how cool is it that we like won a national championship together and we're we've now won an Olympic medal together and it's just I don't know. Like it makes me so happy. Like to have those moments with people forever is just the coolest thing. I had chills. I actually have chills right now. I think actually, (laughs) as you're talking about it, as like, if I'm being honest, 
I had chills because even for her to like come into the game and to have that moment at the end, um, to be that pitcher that was in the circle when it ended. And then like no hesitation, like not even a thought, like immediately going straight to you afterwards. And then Katie Rafters coming from behind the plate. And like, it was mm-hmm. just so poetic. So poetic. Yeah, for sure. I agree. I agree. And it's cool too. Like I was saying to her earlier, like the, we made history in like both situations, right? At 2000, in 2009 and then with softball Canada. But the cool part about like both of those moments is like both experiences and journeys were like so different. And we were just at such completely different places in our lives. Like, so like to have those like different experiences and then like still winning with those different experiences. I don't know. I just think it's really cool. Like we're like young kids, 20 years old. I think we were maybe 20, 21. And like 13 years later, we have like a whole new experience, but yet we like also won, you know? Yeah. Or made history. It's just, it's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, it's, it's like not normal in the best way. Like it's a big deal, (laughs) you know, it's a really big deal. Yeah. I just feel so lucky. Like I feel so lucky to have, I'm such a relationship driven person and like, I'm very, people would say like, they make fun of me for like having super deep conversations all the time, but like, that's what I love. That's what I enjoy. And to like have these experiences like consistently over time with the same people is, I think it's just so rare. You know what I mean? A lot of times you kind of go through life and you have like random touches and surface level relationships with people or teammates or whatever, but like Vic and Danielle specifically, like we've been in this for the long haul, you know, like so much we've gone through together, both on and off the softball field. So I just really value that part of our dynamic for sure. Of course. It's fun to watch. And even having that moment with you and Danielle, you both left your cleats in Tokyo, right? Retiring together, like to take it all the way from the beginning to then the end of your careers too, on top of it. And having that moment together is pretty wild. Yeah, I was like, I said to her on the bus, um, on the way back to the village before our last game, I said, what are your, like, I just asked her, like, what are your thoughts? And she kind of looked at me. She doesn't like to get too far ahead, especially when you're in events like that. She's, she starts to get very superstitious. She doesn't want to look too far ahead. And I'm very much the same too. But I, I just thought it was a good opportunity for us to talk about it because we were on the bus back home and we had some time, right? Like before we had to kind of like lock in for the bronze medal game. I just wanted to make sure that we did something to really like, like symbolize and signify that like we're, we're walking away and it's time to close the chapter and, you know, move along. So we both agreed to put our cleats on home plate. And, you know, I saw the, I saw the women do it in 2008 and I really loved it. Like, I just loved what it symbolized, you know? So I just, I personally wanted to kind of carry that on because I really appreciate it. Yeah, it was, it was a beautiful moment. It was really cool to, to witness, let alone be a part of, obviously, I'm sure. Thank you. But, you know, I have maybe one more question for you. And then I, I have a little game that I wrap up with everybody. Um, okay. Yeah, it's fun. It's easy. But I think the other thing I wanted to ask is because you also spend a lot of time in the pro league. 
And even Softball Canada did with Canadian Wild and all of that too, in preparation for Tokyo, et cetera. And it's obviously a, a huge bummer that the MPF isn't continuing operations or they announced that recently. Mm-hmm. What would you say as somebody who had had a really long career, um, is now retiring, but two young women who do want to be professional softball players, if how they, how can they keep going forward? If I could share like my story in hopes of inspiring this message, it would be like, I, I continued to play, I played softball because I loved softball. Like my dad was a men's fast pitch catcher and I, I grew up watching him play. He did not force me to play. My mom, my parents did not force me to play. They asked me if I wanted to play and I said, yes. And I think it was because just growing up watching my dad, but I played softball for as long as I did because I genuinely loved playing the game. I love all that comes with it. I think it's tough. I think it's extremely challenging. I think it's always testing you and it's always challenging you and how you respond to things because we never have this game figured out. So I think that piece of it really, I got addicted to that really because I mean, at the end of the day, I'm a perfectionist and it's perfection in our sport. is just not realistic. So just like always trying to attain that is, was like fun for me. Um, but you know, obviously after 2008, the Olympics were gone for two cycles. Um, and with or without the Olympics, I personally was never ready to leave the sport. I just wanted to keep playing, you know, and I think that's solely because I loved to play and because I loved to play and because I just continued to stick with the process. I fortunately was able to experience another Olympic games. So I think to answer your question, like the dream is still alive. That's the bottom line. We know that softball is coming back, right? It's not gone forever. So use this extra like cycle or this extra time to really dive into your development, right? And whatever that looks like for you, but dive into your softball development and dive into your development as a person building your character and all those things. So I guess the dream is, is not gone. It's still there. And I feel like our generation is a very good example of that because we waited 13 years, right? Some left the sport and came back. Personally, I didn't ever leave the sport. I stuck with it because I wasn't ready to leave it. Right. And if you're not ready to leave it, don't leave it just because the Olympics aren't in. You know, at the end of the day, you're still playing something and doing something that you love, hopefully with people that you love, right? So. Nailed it. <laughs> like that, that's it right there. <laughs> no, thing. I think we always need that encouragement though. And I do think you're right. Your generation and what you guys have done going from 20 or 2008 to now and everything, it is a great example of that. Like, let's keep going. Cause that's how we got to this point. Anyway, we have to keep going if we want to go further. So for sure. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing is too, is like, like to the young girls that will listen to this, do it because you want to do it. Not because mom and dad or your guardian is telling you to do it. Yep. 
because if you're doing it for somebody else, it's not sustainable. Yep. Right. If you're doing it for you and because you want to, that is sustainable. And the next thing you know, what's right at your fingertips is an Olympic games. Right. So just make sure why you're playing and doing what you're doing is for you. And honestly, nobody else, but you, because you're the one that has to go wake up every day, practice, train, and go to the softball field. Not mom, dad, brother, sister, grandma, grandpa. Like it's, it's on us. So for as long as you're loving it, keep playing. (laughs) Yeah. Well said, really simple. You made it yeah. so simple, simple but not, but kind of yeah. <laughs> simple, just maybe not easy. Right. And that's, yes, okay. yes. <laughs> exactly. Well, this has been awesome. Like I said, I have one quick little game to wrap up, um, that I do okay. with everybody I have on the show. It's called safer out. And basically I'll just bring something up. And if you like it or you agree with it, you'll call it safe. If you don't like it or you don't agree with it, you'll call it out. Does that make sense? Got it. Okay. You I'm played softball long enough, you know, safe and out. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So first one is like full baseball caps, like instead of visors, for example, safer out. Out. Not a fan. I am a fan, but to make that like a, a rule for everyone, I'm not a fan because I feel like not everyone would be comfortable with that. I'm all for like just individuality. Yeah. If you want to wear a visor, wear a visor. If you want to wear a hat, wear a hat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I feel like, did you, you wear a baseball cap sometimes, right? I did actually early on in my softball career or softball Canada career. I wore a hat when I had like really long hair. Um, and then I'm sure you saw these too. What year did you graduate? Uh, 2012. 20 oh so yeah we're in and around the same age yeah wait from stanford right 2012 yeah 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 i was 2011 um but so in travel ball and this could maybe just be a canadian thing actually did you have like visors slash hats we didn't we just had visors but i feel like i remember seeing these a little bit yeah yeah so i went through a weird phase of wearing those in travel ball um then i went that was the first phase. And then I ha- did a hat phase. I think I had maybe a little bit of visor phase and then slowly faded out. But the hat situation is funny because since like my hair has been cut, like super, super short, I just have been honestly like self-conscious of wearing a hat because I'm a female and I, I don't want to look like a boy. Um, so, and I want to, show off the deal yeah. <laughs> anyways to make a long story short coach smith for the last like however long um because of the weather and how hot it was he was just on me about wearing a hat like he was just every time i run out to the field jay sal put a hat on jay sal put a hat on jay sal put a hat on and i was just like sometimes i would like trying to like sneak and get out there but he'd always catch me <laughs> and all for the right reasons just because the heat and stuff like that but um I really didn't want to wear a hat. So for up to me, I want nothing. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I th- didn't in college. I feel like I remember, did you have a sparkly headband, like a purple one? Did I make that up? Okay. Yeah. 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 
No, no visor. Yeah, I didn't really wear a visor in college. Yeah. Little glimpses here and there, but yeah. For the most part, it's been like nothing for the last like handfuls of years. Yeah. Well, you're right about it. It's a, definitely a personal preference, but yeah. I think I agree with you though. Like to, to have everyone wear baseball caps would be kind of aggressive. So makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Okay. So that was the first one. Second one is some Olympic sports awarding two bronze medals. Safer out. Out. Right? Wrestling does it. And I was like, how? You know? What is, what's the reasoning? I, lo- I tried looking it up. I think it's like the way that their bracket works. It's like, if you lose to somebody, then they carry you through the rest of the bracket. And it's like really complicated, but just seeing four people on the podium, I was like, this doesn't feel very mm-hmm. Olympic-like, you know? We did that in 2007 in Rio. We shared a silver medal with Venezuela. Felt very weird, but in that it was and uncontrollable it was like due to weather and stuff so okay. i think if there's like things that are out of your control that are forcing people to like have a tie and share a medal i understand but of course is not ideal by any means yeah that's totally fair yeah i agree with you yeah i wanted to know if i was crazy like i'm like is this normal no you're not crazy <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> All right. And last one is bat flips. Safer out. Out. Okay. I, I just can't. I've never seen, I don't remember ever seeing you or really like you dub people or yeah. I don't remember seeing any of you guys do that. When I hear people talk about it and like argue it, I understand. But if I just think about like my, my roots and my values and like how I would like to roll, I, I don't like it, but I understand how people would want to do it. Yeah. You know, um, I just, I, I, I'm not really comfortable doing that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause at the end of the day, like the way I think about it too, it's like, I think about like somebody like Danielle, right? Like if somebody were to like bat flip against her or like she saw that, like if she witnessed that, like most likely she'd probably go and hit the next person. Like I hate to say it, but like that's, that's what I would want my pitcher to do. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, if that's how you want to play, then fine. I'll just like, you can wear one in the numbers. Like, I guess that's how I would probably respond. And that's how (laughs) I'd want my pitcher to respond, I guess. And that's why I don't know if Danielle would actually do that, but I would put a lot of money on the fact that she would do that. And that's one of the reasons why I love her to death. So I asked her this as well. And oh, she, you did? Yes. And she 100% said, she was like, well, expect one in the ribs. The next oh. time up. If not you, then your, your teammate, someone's getting it in the ribs. And I was like, I told you, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. That's hilarious. Yeah. 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 I could see her saying that. Yeah. 
Um, but I get it. I, I agree with you, actually. That's like kind of, it's not really my style. Wasn't a huge home run hitter necessarily anyways. So it's not like I had a million opportunities to do it, mm-hmm. but I'm with you. It's not, not really my thing, but I also agree with you that it's like, well, if other people feel like they want to, then sure. But it's doesn't, not everyone has to roll that way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, all fair. So I think all outs. So you're like, yeah, I'm offensive Jen today. Like, <laughs> That's funny. Those are good questions. I like those. I like those. Yeah, it's fun. I just like to get some of the hot takes, you know? At the end. Yeah, I just have always kind of had a hard time with the bat flip thing, man. I even tried to like kind of get into it a little bit and like really support it, but I just, I don't love the way it looks. Yeah. You know, I, I don't love the way it looks. But then again, it's like maybe maybe our game is ready for a little something different. You know, maybe we're ready for a little spice. But I just maybe a little one, but like some of the ones that I've seen, like not like I can understand just like a little boom, but like not like huge. Yeah. Like when I saw like, like- like a tomahawk into the ground one time I was like okay <laughs> <That's> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I would support like a little one probably yeah I get that because it's like okay they in a big moment they earn it you know so maybe like a little mm-hmm. one but yeah I don't know if we need to like chuck our bats like also like let's respect our bats you know like a bit. <laughs> for sure yeah 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 well anyway on that note thanks again for joining this was really fun yeah no i'm glad you asked that's the kind of passion you love to see you know jen texted me after we talked and she was like i probably talked your ear off sorry but that's what happens when you get me started on things i'm passionate about and i was like no those are my favorite types of conversations that's what fires people up and that's hopefully what the next generation of players who have big goals like hers are going to be fired up about, or even maybe we'll get some new softball fans because of passion like hers. Right. And I think she might be retired as a player now, but I'm excited to see her continue to pay it forward in our sport. She has a lot to give to the next generation, especially from a coaching perspective. So we'll stay tuned. But with that, let's transition to the foul tip of the week. This week's foul tip is about saying no. Sports, in a lot of ways, is all about saying yes. Yes to challenges, yes to pushing ourselves, yes to keep going. And in general, I think you do get more out of yes than no, because you get more experiences. But every time you say yes to something, you're really saying no to something else, because you can't do it all. So there are times when saying yes can actually hurt you, and that's when no comes in. I remember in high school, I was taking AP history my junior year, and it was a lot of work. We had almost daily quizzes based on our reading, which was a significant amount of pages, and the questions on the quizzes were very nuanced and often about really small details, and it took a lot of preparation. It took hours and hours out of my day, pretty much every day, in addition to all the other work that we had in the class. And for context, too, I was taking multiple other AP classes at the same time. Plus, of course, I had softball. 
And this in particular was cutting into my sleep, my sanity. It just was really not sustainable to continue for the entire semester. And on top of that, I wasn't learning a ton. It was really more about memorizing details than actually learning and absorbing. And I wasn't interested in history as a college major or a future career. You know, and in this class, it seemed like maybe it wasn't great for my well-being. So I said no. I transferred to the college prep history class and just started doing work with them for the rest of the semester. And yes, I wasn't taking all APs anymore, and I didn't have the status that supposedly gives you, but I chose what was best for me rather than try to meet the expectations of others and what we're told we're supposed to do. And I still got to Stanford, just saying. When I was training for softball in college too, I would think back to that experience. And anytime I was tempted to train seven days a week and not take any breaks because I thought, well, that's what hard work is. I'd remember that sometimes saying no was the answer. Because if I say yes to training, I'm saying no to recovery and taking care of myself. And when I relaxed like that, it was pretty much guaranteed that my performance was also going to be better. If you have overachiever tendencies like me, it's easy to assume that that means saying yes to everything. But those that actually end up overachieving know when it's time to say no. And I'll be honest, I have not been doing a good job of saying no recently in my life. So this is also a reminder for myself because we all need that sometimes. So that's it. Say no. That's the foul tip of the week. You've been listening to Believe in Softball presented by Bet Online. The show is available anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, wherever else you listen, including Believe.com. And you can watch the videos on YouTube as well. Subscribe to the show, rate it, write a review for it, share it with your friends. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Believe in Softball. Again, B-L-E-A-V. You can always reach out to me on Twitter at JennaBacera01 and Instagram at JennaBacera as well. Thank you for tuning in and catch you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.